Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We believe well-designed employee benefit programs enhance people's lives. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, and here with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, how's it going? Hey, Robin. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing well. We're uh, heading towards the end of January, Al, and as we're recording today, it's actually a sunny day. So are you beginning to think about getting out on your road bike? I know you have a real passion for it. I am beginning to think about it. And uh, I was thinking last year, I did manage to get out on a semi-okay day in February, which was probably the earliest I've ever hit the road. Hopefully, if we have one day that warms up a little bit, uh, I can get back out there soon. I'll have my fingers crossed. Yes, cross your fingers. (laughs) Exactly. Well, uh, hopefully we get a thaw and we can get you out there. Well, enough about biking and Al in his uh, spandex. Let's get to today's guest. So today we have with us Steve Himmel, GM at Henderson Brewing Company. Welcome to the show, Steve. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you. And I got to start off, I was on your LinkedIn page and I love your about section. It says, you want beer? I got beer. So no messing around when it comes to beer, eh, Steve? Yes, it's true. I I think that I was frustrated a little, you know, so much of people's professional bios or or whatever, they're very complex. And the truth is in the beer business, it really boils down to that. And to me, something as simple as that invites questions. And it's much better to start a dialogue and have questions than to just send somebody a thesis. Well, you're right. You're right about LinkedIn. People put so much thought into it and, and really try to come up with the perfect page. And, and sometimes the simple thing is the best. So we're recording uh, via technology today. Again, we Al, when Al and I started this, we were we would have people into our studio, which was my office. And, and I wish we were meeting in person. In particular, Steve, with this podcast, I, I wish we were uh, recording down at your brewery. So maybe, uh, maybe we'll have to do a revisit to this one. It's a bit early in the day for a beer, but I was on your website and I saw the Dream Soda and that looked mighty tasty. So it looks like you have some non-alcoholic line as well. Maybe we can chat about that later, but uh, why don't we jump into it? So I'm going to start with the real obvious. Why beer, Steve? Tell us that story. Sure. The reason is that from a very young age, probably around, I'm going to say 11 or 12 I began to appreciate the power that was in a beer. And what I really mean by that is when you think about our social construct, when you think about certainly in the Western world, the role that beer plays, it's a very significant one. And I remember being very young and my grandfather coming over and my parents didn't drink at all. My mom had some wine occasionally, but there was never beer in our house. But when my grandfather came, magically there was Heineken in the house. And I remember my mom having this special thing just for my grandfather. And my grandfather wasn't a big drinker. He had one beer and he let me have a taste of it. And I thought it was horrible. But what I really appreciated was the significance of this drink. It was almost like my mom had made a special trip for this one thing. 
to give to my grandfather when he came and he obviously earned it or deserved it in some way. And as I grew older, I began to appreciate that beer is something that all of us, I believe, or the majority in Western culture have some special role for either celebratory or social or even intimate. I don't mean romantic intimacy. I mean, when two friends get together, sharing a beer can mean that you're going to talk about more than just the weather, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the thing that has kept beer central to my person for my whole life. Now, of course, like anybody else, I enjoy drinking beer sometimes just because it's drinking beer and sometimes drinking too many beers has led to both wonderful and horrible evenings. (laughs) For the most part, all through my life, beer has remained this calling card to a special kind of interaction. And I spent the bulk of my professional career as a marketing consultant. And when the time came to stop spending my life in hotels and on airplanes, it was really getting back into the world of beer full-time. And that's what's brought me to this today. So Steve, give us a little bit of background on how you, um, or why maybe you decided to work for yourself and be an entrepreneur. You talked about the importance of beer, but why not just go out and get a job? What is it that inspired you to actually start your own brewery and and go down that path as an entrepreneur? Well, I'm going to give you a two-part answer. The first is that I've really been an entrepreneur my whole life. I guess right out of high school, I actually got a job in a brewery. I became a brewer. I learned a lot about the industry. That brewery went out of business and I went back to school, finished my degree, got into consulting, and I did that for 25 years. I like working on my own. I think that and I teach this to my kids who are now one of them in university, one of them in grade 10, just starting to think about their lives and how they're going to earn a living. And there are two distinct paths. There's getting a job, which has so many wonderful, excellent benefits to it. And then there's being an entrepreneur, which has a different but equal number of benefits. And I think I'm just the kind of guy who was always going to pursue that road. So that's philosophically why I remained an entrepreneur. And in terms of the beer business, I just saw this incredibly huge opportunity that had opened up probably in and around 2000. I'm going to say I had my first real craft beer. So in the 80s and in the 90s, In Ontario here, we had a few breweries that opened like Upper Canada and Sleeman and one that I worked at called Connors. And they were the originators of craft beer. What they were really trying to do was wrestle back quality from the big brewers who were making a product that was a little more generic than maybe it needed to be. But in and around 2000, and mostly led by Americans, you know, United States of America, Americans, all of a sudden craft beer took this bold new step and really invented the category that we've come to know today. But what happened between 2000 and 2015 is that the craft beer category began to push further and further and further into new territory and into the vanguard. And the idea behind craft beer, which was really just applying craft principles to making beer, became more about pushing the envelope on styles and making the bitterest beer you could make, making the tartest beer you could make, making the strongest beer you could make. And as these two categories diverged, so mainstream beer became more generic, less flavorful, and craft beer became more complex, more flavorful, there was this huge hole in the center. 
And I almost would like to compare it to this. Imagine if your only two choices were McDonald's or a $200 a, a plate restaurant. Where's all those options in the middle? And that is where I feel like we saw the opportunity to open Henderson. And that's why I really wanted to get back into the business. That makes a lot of sense. I can definitely attest that I'm a little bit less of the mainstream beer drinker and definitely work more on the craft brewery side. So that's a great, a great background. Yeah, that's very cool to hear. Now, Al, something we, we chatted about offline and, and I'm beginning to see a bit of a link, quite frankly, between musicians, people who come from a musical background and success. And it's interesting, the more people I talk to, I'm beginning to think, ah, there's got to be something here. So Steve, we chatted offline, you know, when we first met, but you spent a few years as a professional musician playing around North America. What do you think you learned from that that you're applying <laughs> to your current business? Well, I would tell everybody, if you have the opportunity to be a professional musician, even for a summer, it really should be something that you should do. First of all, musicians are probably, for the work they put in, the least respected of any sort of profession. For the most part, the bulk of musicians put in an incredible amount of work and often find themselves playing in front of either tables or chairs or a handful of semi-appreciative people. And there's <laughs> exactly. just so much work involved. And I think what it teaches you, first of all, it teaches you a number of things. One is perseverance. You realize that nothing will be handed to you. Absolutely nothing. I think a lot of people, particularly when you're in high school or university, you start to think about the things you deserve. And you know, you can start thinking about, oh, well, when I get my first job, I'll make $50,000 a year and I'll buy this car. And But that's not really how life works for most people. And being a musician, you learn that again and again and again. You realize that you have to fight for every moment of somebody's attention and every bum in a seat you have to earn. And I think that that's a fantastic experience for people to go through. So, there is that sort of perseverance. The other thing I think I learned, and this has been, for me personally, much more valuable, is you have to learn how to work a room. And I don't mean that that you have to learn how to schmooze and walk into a room and talk about yourself or your product or whatever. I mean, you have to recognize a situation and you have to react to that situation. And it's a very important skill to have picked up. And I feel like it's really benefited me more than anything else that I've learned in my life. You know, I was just in a bar band and we played across the Canada and the U.S. for two or three years, probably doing 100 plus gigs a year. And you just had to learn the difference between tree planters in Thunder Bay and heavy metalers in Lethbridge. <laughs> and how were you going to win those two crowds over? And sometimes you failed. But like I think any entrepreneur will tell you, you learn more from your failures than from your successes. And so it was an incredibly valuable experience for me. seems like a pretty good training ground for becoming a CEO, running a company, dealing with clients, with prospects, with different people in your workforce. Uh, I'm not sure that my high school playing second trumpet gave me any uh, <laughs> any skills going forward, but it sounds it sounds like yours did. It is interesting too that we've spoke to someone earlier today and they gave much the same answer in terms of what it meant for them and, and how they uh, used some of those experiences as a musician and moved it towards their business now. And then I think Robin mentioned that we're, we're talking to another uh, guest today and he's also a musician. So it'll be interesting to see if he has the same story. So Steve, tell us, where do you get your business inspiration from? 
Sure. I, I've been asked this question before, and I default to the same answer because I haven't found a better one yet. I think it comes from growing up as a KISS fan as a kid. And I know that might sound strange, but what they achieved, I always find I can go back and read a KISS book about the band, how they essentially invented a whole new category and redefined popular music, and how they were slated to be complete failures at the beginning, but persevered and changed and became incredibly successful. I don't think that musically they are the Beatles, and I don't think that from a business perspective, I have a lot of respect for Gene Simmons, who has Kiss Coffins for sale, for example. I think he's a real opportunist, but I love to read about that band. I love to see how they have gone through the last almost 50 years, continuing to both reinvent themselves and stay true to form. You've definitely dated yourself based on Kiss, yeah. and, and a lot of people won't even properly recognize that, <laughs> that name. I, I certainly do, but I know what you're talking about because at the time when they first came on the scene, they were definitely not mainstream at all. And the funny thing is, you know, going back to the business, okay? So Kiss had one hit song, which was in 1978, I believe, and a handful of other small hits. That band has continued to generate millions of dollars in revenue continue to remain relevant, despite the fact that they are rehashing kind of something that they did brilliantly for two or three years in the 70s. And again, as a business person, this is what is so incredible to me. They have maintained that relevance. They have kept their, quote, business moving forward. And I don't know if they're growing or not, but they continue to be among the toppest grossing bands despite their kind of irrelevance. I, I really have great respect for that as a business person. Yeah, that's very cool to see. And um, there's a couple of years ago, I don't know if you're watching it, Steve, but they they did have a reality show going with Gene Simmons and his family. So I remember um, that. Yeah. I always found it amazing. I said, these guys just don't stop. They're, yeah. you know, they're still here. And I'm definitely on the younger side where maybe I shouldn't remember them as much, but I do because they keep going and they are still relevant. So Steve, I just wanted to wrap up this episode with I wanted to go back to you were you were chatting earlier about, you know, you've got one of your children in in uh in university and one in grade 10. What's one piece of advice that you'd give to younger generations? So people like your kids who are not that far off from entering the workforce. What's a piece of advice that you'd give to them? It's probably going to be make the most of your 20s. Try everything. Love it. Yeah. There's probably a few pieces I hope to give them, but that is the one that would be the most important. Like, you know what? Start worrying about your career, your life when you're 30. In your 20s, try as many things as you can do fail as many times as you can, walk as many roads as you can. And, you know, when you're 30, you've got 40 solid years of work ahead of you, if you want them. I think, you know, making sure that you've sown your wild oats, both personally, but also in terms of your career, I think is an excellent thing to do. I think that's great advice for anyone. And, and that's, you know, that's some of the challenges with, with school. I mean, you, you end up in university and depending on where you go and what program you're involved in, you've got to make a decision pretty early on. So, you know, with your career, you're right. You've, you've got time, especially in your twenties to figure it out and make sure that, you know, that life journey at the end of that journey, you're, you're happy with what you've done. So Steve, this has been a great episode chatting with you. Al and I love having these conversations with successful CEOs like yourself. I'm hoping we get to do one again. And, and as I said at the top of the uh, the episode, I'm hoping we get to do this one in person down the road. So thanks very much for joining us today and uh, sharing your journey. What's the best way for people to reach out if they have questions for yourself or Henderson Brewing in general? 
Well, anybody can reach out to the brewery via our email at info at hendersonbrewing.com. But I'd be happy to field any questions. I'm Steve at hendersonbrewing.com. And thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed this chat very much and wish you guys all kinds of success with this podcast moving forward. And of course, I look forward to having you for a beer. (laughs) Hey, there we go. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) One of the many benefits of running running our podcast. (laughs) Well, thanks very much for joining us today, Steve. And thank you. Uh, Really appreciate uh, having you again. That does it for today's episode, folks. Really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn success leaves clues as we've seen and remember it all starts with one